Mr. George Zalicki is an absolute legend in the network marketing industry and in the home-based business arena. Uh, he speaks all over the world uh, to tens of thousands of people in huge arenas. In fact, this was recorded in an arena. And um, so the sound quality does have a little bit of feedback, but it's definitely worth a listen so that uh, you can get what he has to tell you. It's... it's uh, it's amazing the self-limiting beliefs that we as human beings have on how we will use our brains to keep us from being the best version of ourselves. And we also worry about the, uh, the opinions of others way too much. And he goes back through his childhood and talks about how he overcame polio and became an incredible NCAA basketball player. He went from not being able to walk to being able to play uh, um, sports at the highest level in the final four games. So you'll get to hear that story too. Uh, it's incredibly inspiring, but most importantly, it can get you unstuck if you're in a position where you're stuck. So check it out. And for those of us who are aspiring to make our mark, we know that economics is a big part of it. But we also know to win in the game of economics, we need to have a system that can provide it a program that we could, if we wanted to, we could do. It doesn't break the bank to get started. And the future is unlimited. It's all in your head. Now, my commitment here with you today, and if my cane falls, don't worry about it, is to give you, as you know me, straight talk. Because you don't win in life by being a wimp. This is a universe, as Socrates said, does not favor the timid. Your creator knows you have more power than you've ever put into the game of life. And sometimes when you see people all dressed up and up here on stage, you can get the impression, since they look so polished and neat, that, wow, it must be easy, or they're more talented than me, or they're smarter than I am. Well, I was delighted to hear all the stories and the varied stories of what people went through. So I'm going to share some of my experience so that you don't have the illusion that I just arrived. I failed my way to the top. When I was a young boy, I contracted polio, and I ended up in an iron lung, and I spent the summer in an isolation hospital. When I was released from the hospital, the doctor said, you have your son, he's alive, but he'll never walk again. That was my beginning. And during that period of time, I had some fire in my belly. I did not like the verdict. I didn't know exactly what it meant, but I knew one thing. I'm not quitting. There's things I want to do. I had a welling up of wanting to live differently than the position I was in. But it wasn't easy. I had to exercise when I hated every minute of it. I went through some therapies with hot woolen blankets in boiling water wrapped around my back and my legs and wondering, haven't I had enough? And there was my mother and my grandmother wrapping me 24 hours a day to try to get some mobility in motion. When I started to walk, it was terrible. I looked like Forrest Gump. And I wanted to play ball. Back then, you know, I'm in my 80th year of life and can go back just a few hundred years, I guess, <laughs> and see kids that only could play in the streets in the city. And, you know, first base was a stolen hubcap, and second base was a something tin can or something, third base was what you could find, and home plate was the fat kid who couldn't run. <laughs> Our baseball bat. It had so much black tape around it, only matched by how much was wrapped around the baseball. The baseball became a shot put. The cover was long gone. And the bat, we only had one, so every time it broke, we kept putting more tape around it. So it was pretty good. If you had big hands, you could get around that thing and hold it. All I wanted to do was play. 
participate. I'd sit on the curb, like many people. They sit on a curb, and they wonder, why not me? Why not me? Well, I learned some real valuable lessons early in life. Why not me? I watched the kids kick the teams. They would flip a bat up in the air, and they'd go like this. And when they got to the top, whoever could do this, there was no more room, they got to pick the first player. Amazingly, I noticed that the two captains, right in order of talent and proven ability, picked their teams. Why? They wanted to compete, and they wanted to win. So if you won the toss, you got the first player. You picked the guy who hit two home runs last week. The other guy would say, I'm going to pick that pitcher that may be able to strike him out. And it went right down the line. And there were going to be 18 kids play, and the rest of you would just wait, see if you can get in. I sat on that curb. It didn't matter how much fire I had in my belly to want to participate. Like it don't matter how much you want more money or satisfaction in your life. That doesn't matter until that burning desire about drives you nuts to be different, to have something different. Every once in a while, an adult would walk by and, and see my forlorn look of self-pity and say, why don't you give the kid a chance? I don't know why. Maybe I was beginning what I teach today back then. It was like chalk on the board to me. That instruction was not helping me. That was making that person feel good about showing some sort of empathy toward this kid where she probably or he probably should have said, look kid, you're not good enough yet to participate. Learn how to play the game and you'll get picked. Are you listening? We're lazy. We're terribly lazy. We're academically lazy. Ask yourself, when's the last time you read a good book that will inspire you to be more of what God gave you? And if you tell the truth, you're probably saying, I can't ever remember doing that. Does it help? Wait till I work on the mind. You're going to find out that what you're putting in here is creating your life, nothing else. Did you hear me? You have thought your reality into existence. You have thought, what are thoughts? Thoughts are predictors of the future. Whose future? Your future. Garbage in, garbage out. Ever hear it? Complain in, and you'll find more complainers to join your choir. Be inspired, eventually you'll find inspired people to stay with you, and you'll cross-hibernate your inspiration. Well, finally I got to grammar school and we had a pretty good, pretty good basketball team in that little, little school. And uh, I made the team. I was so darn excited, I never got to play. But I made the team. And I was happy to be on the team. I wanted to play, but I never got in. Well, finally, this is my first experience in organized basketball. We're winning by 15 points, and I remember the school we were playing was St. Rose. And with 15 points up and only three minutes to go, I hear the call. George, every bone in my body shook. I got off that bench, and I thought to myself, what can I do? I said, I know one thing. If the ball falls on the floor, I'll kill to get it. So I went in with fire and no ability. So my first experience, sure enough, watch out what you look for. There's a loose ball. Guess who got it? I did. I was so proud of myself. I stood up and I took off for the basket and I go down and I went like this and the ball goes and it went in. You, I thought I could have gone to heaven in that moment. I turned around to see the adoration of my teammates and they're throwing towels on the floor of the gym. I got disoriented and scored for St. Rose. <laughs> yeah, we'll go home from that experience and listen to your brothers. <laughs>
what that kid did? What makes you get up after you've been knocked down? Maybe it's good to be knocked down. That's what I learned. Maybe it's really good for us. Every great achiever has been knocked down. We've all heard of Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan has missed 9,000 shots. Michael Jordan in his career has lost over 300 games. Michael Jordan in his career was asked to take the final shot and 29 times he failed and they lost. You know what Michael Jordan says about failure? He thanks it. The reason I have become so good is because I failed so many times and got back up. In 1971, Muhammad Ali was fighting Chuck Webber. They, the odds were incredibly in favor of Ali, and of course, he, he did win. And you say, wow. Here's Sylvester Stallone, that at that point had submitted about 700 scripts and things in Hollywood, turned down, turned down, turned down. He got the idea of Rocky. Then he had to sell himself as being Rocky. Nobody wanted him to play Rocky. He just didn't quit. He saw himself as Rocky. Well, what did they have, five of them? Five of them? What if he quit? What makes him different? What makes Michael Jordan different? The same stuff that's going to make you a champion. It isn't that you haven't been taught. We're too lazy to do what we should do to get there. So then we should quit complaining. Hmm. Watched the fight one night, and it was the undefeated Mike Tyson. I followed Mike Tyson's career all the way through. <laughs> Just to see him walk in the ring, you shuddered while you were watching the fight. Is this going to last more than a round? Most powerful puncher I ever saw. Mike Tyson fights a guy named Buster Douglas. Buster Douglas had just lost his mother, and he was so heartbroken that he said, I am going to devote my life to this fight in honor of my mother. He had a cause. He had a deep cause. He wasn't going to quit. He's doing great all the way through the fight. As everybody predicted, it only takes one from Mike Tyson and you're done. And in the ninth round, a vicious left hook sent Buster Douglas to the canvas. And it looked like he was not going to get up. He got up just at the count of nine. And he looked wobbly. Thankfully, there were only 13 seconds left in the bout. He went back, got himself together, came out in the 10th round and demolished the great Mike Tyson. Why? Why? I'll tell you why. He was committed to a cause and there was no turning back. If you don't fire up your engines yourself, you don't stand a chance. You'll just be an idle dreamer, and maybe it's okay. Maybe that's all you aspire for in life. But how much more could you do with your life if you accomplished success so you could share it with others and enrich their lives? Have you ever thought that might be a worthy goal? Let all of you play. Let all of you play. So where does it start? It starts with our childhood, and it starts with our self-image. Our self-image is not very good. We have a lot of pretense about our self-image. Our self-image comes from the impressions we get when we're young, and we're always trying to please people. Have you noticed that? 
we are so thirsty to be accepted and loved that we will mold into what everyone else tells us we are, what we're capable of, what we're not capable of. Everyone else defines us. Everyone defines what we should believe in. Everyone tells us whether we're smart or stupid, capable or incapable, a singer or not a singer, a writer or not a writer. You're not your brother, you're not your sister, you're not like your father, are you related? We've all gone through this, and that early programming has a tremendous amount to do with how we see our world and how we shape the nature and content of our thoughts as we go through life. Because whatever we're doing consciously or unconsciously is being filtered through what we really think of ourselves. Most people have very self-esteem low, 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 and they hide it through all sorts of pretense and acts. You and I have to learn how to love ourselves, how to be respectful for the gift of life, how to know there is a miracle in each of us, screaming to get out. If you look at the whole world, it's comprised of basically a couple of things. You've got matter, you have energy. It's a whole game. Now, when you look at how the world works, science, medicine, if you look into those domains, what you find is tremendous order. Order. One time I had a group of students and they were confused when I was talking about the correlation and the order in the universe that doesn't care whether we figure it out. That's our job. But that it exists independent of our awareness. And they were having a little problem with it, so I said, let, let me ask you something. I said, one time I went out into the yard and I had an apple tree. And I looked up at the apple tree and I asked the apple tree, you know, I've had enough apples the last few years, how about this year you give me some pears? <laughs> and the apple tree said, I can't do that, George. I'm not constructed that way. I live by a set of laws that all I can do is be consistent with those laws and give you apples if you want them. Simple. Yet we miss it, don't we? We miss the most profound, simple evidence that there is a great source of intelligence behind this universe. You can run, you can hide, you can go into your head, but let me tell you something. The greatest knowledge you're ever going to need comes from spirit. The greatest insights that are ever going to help you come from spirit. Too many people worry about being smart. You know the secure people that have to have an answer for everything? If they can't calculate it on the computer, if they can't rationalize it through inductive or deductive reasoning, then it don't exist or it's not to be believed. And yet the miracles I've seen in life, they come from spirit. They come from the gifts that you have. Nothing that is material, nothing, your clothes, nothing that did not have its birth in someone's mind, which is someone's thoughts. And the outcome of those thoughts are all the stuff we have in the world. You take an atom, neutrons, electrons, it's an illusion. It's 99.999% open space. That's an illusion. It's the speed of light going so fast I can't get through it. It's a, you know, it won't cut my finger off because it appears to be everywhere. What is reality? Reality is what you make up. What? There are no two people in this auditorium that have the same reality. You just think you do. It's impossible because each of our realities are created from the summation of our thoughts from birth to the moment we're in. That's our reality. And we look at the world through those prisms. Now when you get behind that, you say, wait a minute. You mean my thoughts have actually created 
My life? Ah, you get an A for that answer. So therefore, if it's my thoughts, and I don't have what I want, do you think it might be wise to check what we're thinking? And what we're allowing into our brains? Because the unconscious don't care. The unconscious flat out don't care. You think negative, it'll loop you right around to more negative. You'll become a magnet for negative. Think positive, and you'll be a magnet for positive. The problem is our environment is what? Mostly pity pot complainers. Right. Oh, if I were only richer. If my daddy just loved me a little more. <laughs> oh, you'd have never want to go to counseling with me. <laughs> Excuses. Aren't we good at them? Rationalizations that are flat out lies. And we use them all the time until we wake up, until we become a little more enlightened. How does the game really work? This is a universe of laws. Our forefathers tried to pass them on to us. The various religions in the world tried to imprint upon us there's a way to live and there's a way not to live that used to be called right and wrong. Hmm. What's it called today? Situational ethics. As long as you can get away with it, do it. Everybody's doing that stuff. Joe, let me tell you how you can cheat that. And here we are. Whoa, what do you mean? Oh, yeah, you do this, you get away with that. You do this, you get away with that. What if you finally figured out that man is not punished for his sins, he's punished by them? Now, that doesn't come from logic, does it? doesn't seem to make sense until you get a deeper sense of yourself and your own inner power. You'll begin to see what I'm talking about. This is a universe of super abundance. There is no shortage in the universe. None. So if there's shortage in your life, does it mean it's not available? It may mean you need to do different things to get there, but is it possible? Listen to the stories I just told. What was the difference? Steve Jobs, quote, better than 50% of the failures as entrepreneurs is due to one thing, lack of perseverance. I'll do what it takes, as long as it takes, forever, until. Until what? Well, until I get five no's in a row. Uh, until I took those people out to dinner and not one of them signed up. <laughs> until I spent all that money going to the conference and I still can't sponsor anybody. Until my mother says, what are you doing that for? You have an education. Until my brother says, you fall for one of those things? One of those, one of those things? And you, you have to look at what's going on. Remember the instruction I got as a young boy when my father caught me looking out the window with a forlorn look at the kids playing in the street. He came over and said, George, what are you doing? I said, Dad, I just want to be a champion. He knew I wanted to play ball. Greatest advice I ever had. He said, George, I never had a chance to play much ball. But I can give you some good advice. In life, whatever it is you want to be good at, don't you dare ask someone who's not good at it how to do it. Hmm. Who do you listen to? Who's feeding your mind? Who's telling you you can or you can't? Who's trying to put you down when you try to stay fired up? You've got to be immune to them. And the secret of how to do that, my friends, is, is the most powerful word, and it appears like the weakest word. It's called surrender. See, surrender doesn't fit logically in what I'm going to say to you until you see what it actually does to your emotions and your mind. When I know I want something, 
then I know that there are going to be struggles. Most of my writings, you'll notice, are what you're going to face and how you're going to have to deal with it, not glitter. Oh, just get up here and get started, you're going to make all this money. No, you won't. The truth is, you're going to have to work on you. Will it be worth it? Yes. Yes. Does it mean everybody's going to be on the top? No. But who could you become in the process of chasing a real dream? What could you benefit from changing the way you think to a positive, uplifting, caring human being? I'm going to tell you something. Life is a blast when you give a damn for others. So what am I going to face? I'm going to face disappointment. I'm going to face frustration. I'm going to face broken promises. I'm going to face people who lack integrity and will do things to undermine the integrity of what we're about. I'm going to face liars. I'm going to face exhaustion and fatigue when there's only one more thing to do that I promised to do, but I really don't feel up to it. I'm going to face every kind of obstacle you can think of. However, you know where the pain comes from? Listen closely. The pain comes from your resistance to those things being there. Listen closely now. That which you persist continues to exist. I'll give you an example. And ladies, you're more apt to do this because we have such a pressure on you to look beautiful and, you know, be so cool and everything. We can be kind of sloppy, but we want you foxing out. <laughs> so that pressure on the ladies manifests as follows. If you have an imperfection anywhere on your body, anywhere, and especially if it's on your face, there's not one time you go to a mirror that you are not looking and wishing it weren't there. And then you do, how's that look? No, nope. put some more paint on. No, how's that look? How do my eyelashes look? I can't see them yet. Well, wait long through. <laughs> Aren't we that way? So we will focus on our negatives 10 times more than we'll focus on our positives. Well, it takes psychic and spiritual energy to do that. Give it up. Can you imagine if we all looked alike? We all weighed exactly the same. All the women looked like, the, like Elizabeth Taylor, and all the guys looked like Rock Hudson. What a boring world. Hey, Jeff, how's Debbie? Well, George, you ought to know. You've got a Debbie at home just like mine. <laughs> so we are all flowers in the garden. And every flower needs nourishment or dies. In our case, the nourishment we need is the nourishment of our minds and our spirits. The rest will come along. You become good at something, and money will follow you. Did you hear me? You become good at something, and money will follow you. Don't chase the money. Chase the result. Chase the dream. I'll handle money for you right now. Money will make a good man better and a bad man worse. There's money. Two, money's a consequence of your contribution in something that people are willing to pay for. Whether it's a job, you will have a value assessed by an owner, yes or no. You can moan and groan and think you're the best thing since ice cream, but if you have a boss, they're determining your worth and your value. When you're an entrepreneur, you have a wide open field. You can determine where you land financially. 
So what if it takes you three, four, five years, and you're walking across this stage like you saw here? Would it be worth it? You plan to be alive in five years? What plan do you have that's going to get you where this potential could get you? You probably don't have one. You men, research illustrates that between 35 and 50 are your maximum years to make a mark. Most men don't make it before that in terms of really catching on. Because you, get, you think you know more than you do, right? You know, young people, there's no way you can take an old head and stick it on a young one. Because they know so much more than they really realize they don't. <laughs> and they're so sure, they're so sure of themselves. So the best thing you can be is an example. In fact, folks, it's the only quality of leadership that works. That works. When you heard speakers and you heard the humility of the different stars on the stage, you didn't hear them bragging about themselves. And it was all about their people. Because, folks, we don't go anywhere near success alone. Nobody gets there alone. And in our industry, in our industry, you have to be a nice person to make it. Because people want to be around nice people who are truthful and supportive of their dreams, yes or no? You want a job? There's your job. Become the star you're looking for. And then you'll find that star wanting to be with you. Many great thinkers, Dr. William James, the father of American psychology, was asked a question at the end of his life. Dr. James, what was the greatest discovery in your lifetime? Listen to what he said. That a human being can alter the circumstances of their lives by altering their attitudes of mind. Attitudes of mind. Thoughts. Now, you didn't learn that in university. And most of the time, you won't learn it in a book. You might get glimpses of it in a lot of books. But you have to know which ones to get. You have to have someone who's smarter than you to point you in a direction to increase your knowledge. It's all available. All available. Meditation. You don't need techniques. You know what you do? You shut up and you sit down for 10 or 15 minutes a day, relax, and don't even think. Don't even try to have a thought. Just see what floats. And sometimes you'll fall asleep and you felt great before you sat down. <laughs> 10, 15 minutes a day. Oh, I don't have time. You don't have time for you? And guess what? Some of the great thinkers of the ages always used that technique because they felt they tapped in to universal consciousness. They tapped in. You want to know why? They're petitioning. They're asking. Give me the thoughts that will enrich people. Give me the wisdom to pass on to my family. You've got to ask for that stuff. Otherwise, nobody thinks you need it. And nobody thinks you want it. This is pretty powerful stuff. Now, the, the thing is, you never know what people are going to do with mind-altering stuff. But you want to know what I know? You know what I'm telling you is dead-on true. You know why? I'm not speaking to your brains. Our brains are all messed up. I'm speaking to that place in every one of us that knows. Doesn't mean we're living by it, but when you hear it, <clears throat> I wish I didn't hear that today. George nailed my butt real bad. Yeah, I've been a complainer. I've been a negative thinker. I'm not a very good friend to anybody. I'm pretty sour appearing. Let me tell you something. You see how many people are here? Every one of you walked into this room as a light, as a dim light, or a turned off light just by walking in by your face, 
by your appearance, by your countenance. You are either inspired or not, and it shows. You either believe or you don't, and it shows. You either have faith or you don't, and it shows. So you want to walk through every door as a light, with no malice toward anyone. I love what James Adams said. I love white people. I love black people. I love, he went right through the colors. If they were purple, he loved them. But isn't he a loving person? Okay? There was a young man, he went to hear a lecture by a famous guru. And when he got all through, he walked up to the guru and said, Sir, great teacher, please tell me, tell me the absolute secret to success. And of course, the guru inside was probably saying, you pathetic young man, I just spent an hour with you. So he said, well, I think I can help you. Walk with me. And the young man walked along, and they walked over to the edge of the water, the lake, and then they went in three or four feet. The water was about up to here. And the young man's looking up, and he says, well, you're going to teach me? He says, momentarily, yes. Be still. When the kid was still, he grabbed him by the scuff of the neck and the back and pushed his head down in the water, and he held his head down under the water. The kid was thrashing and thrashing and gasping and gasping and kicking, and he held him there. And at the last second, he let him up. <laughs> he said, I'm through with you. When you want success as you wanted that air, you've got the secret. So we have to give up being cool, huh? We have to give up worrying what other people think about our dreams. We've got to have our own dreams. Hmm. That young boy, huh? Well, self-image. How is yours? What do you think of yourself? What do you think you can and can't do? And where did it come from? We grew up getting the ideas about what we should believe in, yes or no. We grew up wanting to please anybody who was older than us, like a parent, mommy, daddy, grandma, grandpa, rabbi, minister, priest, whoever. We grew up wanting to be pleasing to get love. So we never really challenged the basis of what we were being fed. The authenticity was it. I don't own it until I explore it, and then I can own it. Before that, I am a product of rubber stamping. So it takes courage. And you'll probably come out stronger in what you were taught, because now you own it. You've got to free yourself from those impressions, because it stops you dead in your tracks. Two sisters. One was a beautiful singer. But the other sister had a passion to sing. And every time she would try to sing, the mother would say, ah, 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 your sister is the singer. And that girl just stopped singing. And she could have been better, more successful as a singer, but she got put down and she was told a limitation that nobody had a right to put on her, yes or no. But she let her dream die because someone told her she couldn't do it. Hmm. You've got to get over that stuff. You can do it. You can become the great you that you were born to become. The great divine doesn't make garbage. We're pretty good at it. The world is confused, is it not? Here we are in a system of economics. 
So as far as I can see, there's basically three types of economic systems. The first one is communism. It kind of goes like this. You own two cows, they take both of them and give you some milk. The second one is socialism. You have two cows, the government takes one away from you and gives it to your neighbor. The third one is the system we live in. It's called capitalism. You have two cows, you sell one and buy a bull. Now, if you, if you mess with that system, pretty soon the guy who was selling the bull or selling the cow and buying the bull says, I'm not doing that anymore, there's no payoff. So the people who can produce the opportunities for the rest of us who need them, they're out of the game. There's no more incentive. But we don't see that. Because we don't think deep enough to see the consequence of certain things. What's the outcome? The outcome is let me play in a game I have a chance to win. Let me become the person I'm capable of becoming. And if you're negative, get out of my life. The mind, the only power that spirit has is to think. And the apparatus for it to express itself initially is the brain and is thought. So let me think about the nature of thought. We know today, through clairvoyant studies, through people who can transmit information through time and space, that we find out it's on the other side. We know in physics that that happens across the universe. So if that's possibly, then what are we looking at? We're looking at a vibration or an energy. So your thoughts have a frequency. And that frequency is going to match similar frequencies. That's where it's going to live. And that's where your unconscious can be programmed to stay positive. You see, excellence, as Aristotle said, excellence is not an act. Excellence is a habit. Listen to the excellence. How'd you get to be excellent? Habitually, didn't you? You got excellent by doing and thinking a certain way over a long period of time. Excellence, he said, well, is a habit. Habits are beautiful if they're the right ones. Mm -hmm. Because they make you operate from the power of your unconscious. You're programmed it to win. Look at the great athlete. Look at Curry. You ever watch him shoot? Let me tell you something. That guy shot so many shots that his nervous system, right through his fingers and the pressure of release, regardless of the distance, he lets it go. And it's already programmed. It's programmed. Even when he misses, have you noticed? It's always, it's always on the rim unless someone cracks him. Just notice that. When you play golf, if you get good at golf, 90% of it becomes unconscious motion that you develop over time to get a habit of swinging the club a certain way. Yes or no? So being lucky is an act. Being successful is a habit. So where does it come from? Where did it start with? Well, I have a negative mindset. Someone hands me a donut and my personality says, hey, let me eat the whole. <laughs> and if you're, if you're afflicted with that, please pay attention. Because I can already tell you a lot about your life. And you will hear like I'm living in your living room and sleeping in your bed. Because it has a consequence. Negative thinking, the vibration of the thought, what's it looking for? Inspiration? It's looking for like kind because that's the nature of the vibration. Ooh. Oh, I, now I've got an idea how inspiration comes. Oh, yeah, let's turn that light on. 
I have some nurturing thoughts, some thoughts of love, some thoughts of concern, some thoughts of compassion, okay? They are so much more in sync with my deeper nature. It's like someone saying, that's what you're made for. You got it. Why? Your entire physiology and neurology conspires against your health when you're a negative person. It, it wears you down. And if you're a positive person, your endorphins are working pretty darn good. So it's even better for your health to think positive thoughts and to live in faith and belief that you really are great and you're getting better every day. So, gee, I want to get more inspirational thoughts. As your consciousness, as your thoughts are elevated at higher levels, watch the energy and the vibration. The vibration used to live in the ether right here. Well, what's here? Thoughts of a similar nature. We're looking. We're looking. You get a higher inspiration. You read a great book. You listen to a good tape. All of a sudden, woo, you've got more going on. Okay? That thought now moves up a level. And you go, ooh, wait a minute, this is more fun. I'm getting, I'm getting, pretty soon, you'll hear the words of Gandhi. When he said, when a human being knows what it is they want. Did you hear the, the, the knowing? What's the implication of that? You don't know what you want, that's why you don't have it. You don't define what you want, that's why you're not getting it. That's what he's saying. When a human being knows what they want and lives in faith and continues to do what's required, pay no attention to really how you get there. Maintain your faith and belief and the road and the people you need to fulfill what you want to do will show up on the path. You see, it's not really that big a mystery. It's but when do we take time out of our lives to learn about it? I mean, you probably have thousands of university grads in this room. And that, we were not taught how to live. We were taught how to answer questions, how to recite formulas, how to write the prose to satisfy the professors. We were not really, really taught how to think and to understand the power of our thoughts and what they really do to create our reality. Think a thought. A thought evokes a feeling or an emotion. The combination of those two pitch us into a choice of behavior. The combination of those three over time can develop habits over time, circumstance. The life I have was created by me. Ooh. Ooh. What's the good news? You can recreate it. That's the good news. You're smarter now, you're older now. You're not little children getting influence unless you stay with it. Every child is an artist until they grow up. Every child is an artist until they grow up. You were an artist, too. You've heard me say it. When you were born, you knew your own magnificence. You acted as though you didn't hate anybody, you had no resentment, you had no bitterness. You were just an exploring little human being. Everything you wowled around, you crawled around, and people were cheering for you to take that first step. And when they did, they cheered for you, and you learned how to take the second and the third. And then you start learning how you're supposed to be to fit in. You hear me? You're learning how to fit in. That's not bad. But the fitting in can screw you up if it isn't really you. Does that make sense? So I say take the chance. Say, I, this is the way I want to live. This is who I want to be. Is what I believe consistent with me being a great human being. And if it is, charge forward. And if it isn't, change it. Every one of you in this room is far more capable 
than you've ever put into the game this far. And that includes every one of the SVPs, RVPs, every one of us, myself, Greg Rock, we all know that. The game isn't over. Our best game is still in front of us, if that's what we want to be. People go, oh man, you must be positive all the time. Well, I'd say 99% of the time I am. There's another thing that I'm not. I'm not a worrier. You ask my wife, he just doesn't get tied up in worry. He says, everything's okay, everything works out. As long as you're steering your ship in the right direction, whatever comes is okay. It's part of your learning experience on this planet and it's serving you well. People all the time talking about sickness. Jim, don't you just love to go to dinner to hear how everybody's dying and sick and Uncle Joe and Betty and the Whip? And then about two minutes later, somebody forgot to say anything. Oh, what did I tell you about my cousin in Brazil? Yeah, he got a toe infection. You're not going to believe it. Well, at first, he went in. 20 minutes later, well, they didn't have to take his toe off. Penicillin cured it. Start listening to what's going on around you. Be nice, be courteous, but start taking it in. You're gonna say, wow, that guy's telling us exactly how things go. A dinner party usually is either getting drunk, talking about our neighbors, or lying about our proficiencies. <laughs> One-upsmanship, right? One-upsmanship. You ought to see me at home. I don't wanna fix my hair. My wife goes, oh my God, you still love me, honey? Well, I do, but geez, would you put a comb through your hair? You look like Donald Trump with about five times more hair. I have my shoes off most of the time. I don't care, put a sweatshirt on, no matter if I go out, I don't care to look cool. I just don't. I go to the grocery store and say hello to everybody. Try to make the person's day a little bit brighter. Whoever waits on me, I compliment them. I'll tell the woman behind you, you look great today. You're having a good day. You ought to see the transformation in a person's face just by being in their presence and being nice. There's enough people in this auditorium to change the world. Do you hear me? And let me tell you something. The way technology is moving so quickly, the industry of direct selling is going to flourish for the right kind of company. And here's why. There's always going to need to be salespeople that handle products that will take them to a neighbor or a friend or they can order and have delivered. That'll never go. The job of making it may go automation, but the people who keep on meeting their friends and give them a little chance to make some money while they become part of their own business, you got a great future. And you got it with a great company. But it ain't going to do you any good unless you change unless you change. Every time I give a talk like this, I change. Because I remind myself, am I living consistently every day with what I'm teaching? And sometimes when I think, not quite there today, I might go put on one of my tapes and listen to me blather and go, oh my God, George, you need to do a little better here. You got ticked off yesterday at that guy. I said, well, I could say, yeah, he deserved it. I could say, you know what? I could have done better. Constantly just put in tweak, little tweaking, that's all, no big deal. But be conscious of who you are. And be confident that you have gifts that are hidden. Piano players. I play piano and I don't read a note. But when I sit down at a piano, you would think I was Jerry Lee Lewis. My son plays a completely different style. He's very classical. And, and I go, what the heck? He never took a lesson. He sits down at that piano because 
allows creative energy. You could do it too. You know what you say? Well, I'm not a musician. Watch this. The minute you say there's something you can't do, you just fed that thought to your unconscious mind that must find you reasons to justify that thought. And here's what the outcome is. Rather than give it a try, okay, you don't want to experience disappointment, frustration, ridicule, not smart enough, not good enough. I could list the emotions for you that you're running from, and all you're saying is, well, I, I, do, I just don't have any music in me. No, the risk of finding out, you'd have to face all those emotions, and that's what you're running from. Mm -hmm. Oh, you better take that on, because that's what you're doing all the time. When something appears unpleasant or out of our skill set, oh, that's not me. Did you ever hear that? Did you ever say that? Oh, that's just not me. Well, who the hell are you? <laughs> oh, well, I haven't really figured that out yet. Then maybe that was you. You just never gave it a chance. Mm. Mm. Now, here's where it really gets tough. When you have that mindset, I'm not a public speaker. How many of you have said that? Come on, put your hands up. I'm just not a public speaker. No, let me tell you what. You want to avoid the emotions of embarrassment, being judged, maybe being ridiculed, and spoken poorly about as a bad speaker. That's all that's going on with you. You could be a great orator, but you're a chicken. How do I know? Can you speak? Huh? If I had got in on a conversation you had with a friend or somebody, you'd blab your mouth off so you can speak. When you argue, do you get your point across? So you can be emphatic. What do you, you're a coward. You're an emotional coward. You let other people's opinions run your life. Stop it! Enthusiasm. Enthusiasm is the least expensive cosmetic and the most effective cosmetic in the world. And you don't have to pay anything. It's called a smile on your face and love in your eyes. That when people meet you, they go, wow, I just felt good around that person. That seemed like a nice person. You want to be big in this business? With this company, you better be a nice person because you won't last. You won't have any fans. You won't have anybody speaking to you. And they'll want to get rid of you if you're not honest. So you got a home here that you should treasure. My family, my children, our grandchildren, they're pretty well set. Because one day, Larry Raskin, and my wife, Eloise, said, George, I think we might want to look at this thing called ACN. Hmm. All right, we'll go. You know why I went? Because I had a lot of respect for Larry Braskin. I had already, Artie was one of my best friends for years. We had that musical thing going together, and, you know, we always thought, are we just frustrated musicians? You know, what's going on with us? Because it seemed we could always get laughing when we played music because we did it so poorly, but we just kept going. You know? And I had a dream of doing music, and I recorded four albums with world-famous Muscle Shoals Sound, Aretha Franklin, Rolling Stones. How did I get there? Through what I do right here. Somebody was in the audience, forlorn. I was doing a thing in Alabama, in the Holiday Inn, it was an all-day seminar. I was walking out and I was visiting with some people and I saw a young man walking back and forth with a lot of consternation in his face. And I said, I know that guy wants to talk to me. And so I, would, I wanted to break away from this crowd gracefully. And I did and I went over and uh, he said, George, he said, I hate to 
I hate to ask you for a couple of minutes, but you blew your brains out all day for us. I'm this close, man. I'm this close. Can I spend a couple of minutes with you? And I said, uh, what's your name? He said, Jerry. I said, well, Jerry, I'm hungry. I'm here alone. Why don't you be my guest for dinner? I thought the guy was going to pass out. <laughs> so we went to dinner. I got to know him. He was in music. He knew Elvis. And his best friend was Jimmy Johnson, the head of Muscle Shoals Sound. Okay? So I do, do a, a CD live in Austin, Texas with a band leader. And uh, from Austin City Limits, he was a leader in a band. And he's, he heard me sing at a party. And he went to my wife and said, I got to record him. This was before I met this guy. And I went. And I did it. The next thing you know, I'm at Muscle Shoals Sound. And I just finished my fourth album. Why? Because that was something in me that I wanted to break out with. What's in you? Have a dream. Leave here with a dream. Hold on to it with all passion and vigor. And when you go out there, remember time, the moving finger writes. And having written moves on, not all our piety nor wit shall bring it back to cancel half a line. In ourselves, not in the clamor of the crowded streets, nor in the plaudits of the throng, but in ourselves lies triumph or defeat. God bless you.